The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Wow, Lord. <laughs> Grace holds us, not sin, not death. They've lost their hold. Lord, may we continue just to, I don't know how to say this, absorb this truth today. Lord, would your spirit communicate it to our hearts in a way that uh, beyond our normal human understanding, would we know the riches in Christ Jesus? Uh, would you teach us this today, I pray in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Got to tell you, I'm chomping at the bed a little bit. If you haven't been around here, I've been gone a couple weeks. And, uh, you know, I get kind of excited to get up here, so I'm, uh, I'm ready to go. Uh, but I need to start with a little trivia game. We are going to begin a new study today in the book of Ephesians. And uh, here's the trivia game here. See what you know. There's, you, you know how good I am about giving amazing prizes out. I believe in the refrigerator uh, back there, we have a leftover bottle of squirt from Father's Day and maybe a ginger ale too. So, uh, so there's, this, this is worthwhile getting these right here. But uh, the book of Ephesians, uh, you may or not, may not know, was a letter, one of the letters, or the epistles that Paul wrote to different churches. And we'll talk about that city in a second here to which he wrote. But uh, there were, uh, what I want to ask the question is, how many letters in the Bible were sent to Ephesus, the town where this is? Okay, now I'm going to give you multiple choice. You could say one, two, three, or four. Okay, so we're going to do voting, so get out the little things in front of you that automatically, oh, we don't have that. Never mind, just raise your hand. Uh, we'll, we'll go with that. So do you think, now the question is, how many letters, now you say, I don't have a clue. Most, most people don't, just go with it. Uh, but uh, how many letters in the Bible were written to the town of Ephesus or the church uh, there at Ephesus? Okay, how many want to go with one? This is the only one? Okay, good. How many want to go with two? Two? Anybody have any idea why? You're just going with two. Uh, we'll go with that. How about three? Well, some people like three. Anybody want to go with four? Somebody want to go with four? You're actually right. Did you know that? Uh, you're, you're actually, did you know that or was that a guess? Okay, okay, she felt it in her gut. Uh, okay, that's, that's pretty impressive because, of course, we have this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and then he wrote to the guy that was pastoring at Ephesus, and he wrote him two letters. His name was Timothy. So he writes two letters to Timothy, first and second Timothy. That's three letters that were sent to Ephesus. Anybody want to try? Paul didn't write the fourth letter to the church at Ephesus. Anybody want to know who did? Not, well, John, not really. Jesus did. I told her already. I don't know why she's acting so smart up here. Uh, but uh, Jesus actually wrote it. It's found in the book of Revelation where Jesus writes letters to the different churches of Asia Minor. He wrote to Ephesus. Okay? So uh, a lot was invested in this little town. Again, I want to give you a little background of this. This was a city of about a half a million people. So at that time, that is huge. Okay, it is the capital really of the Eastern Roman Empire at this time? It is the center of trade? There is a lot of wealth. Uh, there's the world's largest library at the time. Is there? They have um, 
I was like I said, oh, temples, like 50 different temples of different gods. The most famous of those is actually one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, a temple built to the goddess uh, Artemis or the goddess Diana. And uh, so this is, a, this is a booming city. I mean, this is a lot going on in this city. You might remember when we went through the book of Acts, we talked about Corinth and the letters that were written to Corinth. Corinth was kind of known as a wicked city. So the people that he wrote to had to deal with a lot of just vile wickedness going on. Ephesus, we would say they have to deal with just a lot going on. A very, we'll say a busy, happening city. In other words, it would be really easy for the people of God to get distracted by everything else going on, especially the wealth and everything that was there in this city. So when Paul writes to them this letter, it, it is a... We call Romans the masterpiece of theology, but Romans is much longer. It's more than twice as long as the book of, of, Rome, of uh, Ephesians. This letter to Ephesus is the most concise theological work, uh, they say, as far as the letter, letters go. He plugs in here. And a lot of times in Paul's writings, he... Um, He'll take like the beginning and he'll give the theology. And then the uh, last chapters are more the, uh, the practical. Okay, here's what we believe. Now here's what we're going to live as a result of that. Uh, and it is worth noting that that's how he writes. Because he wants people to know what they believe. He wants them to know the truth as a foundation. He doesn't want them to just jump in, first of all, and say, hey, here's how you live. Here's what you do. Here's your list of do's and don'ts. He says, I want you to know what you believe. Okay? And we're going to actually, as we look at the book of Ephesus, <laughs> Ephesians, I'll be all right, the town, Ephesus, the book Ephesians, uh, as we look at that, we're going to divide it up into kind of three different categories. First of all, we're going to talk about what Paul brings out, and that is our wealth in Jesus Christ, how wealthy we are in Him. And then uh, we're going to talk about the walk that we are to have in following Jesus Christ. And then lastly, and we'll probably spend a few weeks on a passage in, uh, that talks about the armor of God, and we'll talk about the warfare. So we're going to talk about the wealth, the, what I say, walk, and then the warfare. That's pretty good. I forget who I stole it from, or I tell you. But, uh, but I, I thought that was pretty good. So today we're really going to emphasize this idea of the wealth. Now, um, my wife and I, are we are two television home, even though there's just two of us. But I think we have one television that gets turned on just a few times a year. Sometimes there's a football game on that she's just had enough, and she sends me to the room to watch the football game. Normally, we sit, and we if we have the TV on, we're watching TV together. And I, th I think, ladies, you ought to be impressed with this. I almost always yield control of the remote. That's true, isn't it? Are you impressed? Yeah, I knew I, knew I was the dream husband. But, uh, but I, I, do, uh, I do yield it largely because I know how I, I really am crazy. You know, and I, I can drive people crazy with the flipping around, and it's good for our marriage just to hand it to her because it's driving her crazy that I'm flipping around from station to station. We have a couple shows, though, watching together that we have learned, and there's some shows that you don't like that the other person chooses, but you can tolerate. There's a couple that she has learned I cannot tolerate. I actually get mad when they're on. And I know it's childish shit, but I'm like, you can't put that on. One of them is Downton Abbey. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't mean to offend you, but Downton Abbey just ticks me off. And the other is the British baking show. <laughs> There's a lady on there. I think her name is Marion. It's a flicky crust. She drives me crazy. Now, maybe, 
Maybe I'm some type of an Anglophobe. I don't even know if that's a word or not. Uh, but I got to tell you, when those shows come on, I'm like, no, I can't take it anymore. You got you to get rid of those. You got to turn those off. I can't go there. There is, however, one show that I pretend not to like that I secretly do like. Sometimes she'll stop on the Antique Road show. And I'm like, oh, what's that on there for? But I actually, then, then she'll switch the station before I find out the price. You know, it goes to commercial. Like, Could you go back to that? I really want to know how much that's worth. Okay, my job this morning somewhat is this. Now, very much is this today. I said at the beginning of Ephesians, we're going to talk about the wealth that we have in Jesus Christ. I want you to understand the incredible possession that you have. You know, on this road show, they bring it. I never imagined it was going to be worth that much. I never thought so. I have this hidden treasure. I don't want you to throw it away. I don't want you to miss it. I want you to understand, and we're going to dwell on, as we read through Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to dwell on what we have in Christ Jesus. I believe 27 times in the book of Ephesians, the phrase, in Christ, is in there. It talks about what we have in Christ, and I want you to grasp that. I want you to get a hold of this idea. As we were singing today, I thought, ah, hey, that's in the service. Hey, that's in the sermon. As we sing about who he is and what he has done in our lives, I want you to realize very simply that you're stinking rich. Uh, my wife and I just did a, uh, we did a trip to Colorado on vacation, but via Oklahoma. If your geography is good at all, you know that wasn't the shortcut. Uh, and uh, so we swung down through Oklahoma and out there. So we spent 3,200 miles in the car together. Yeah. Uh, we love each other dear, even more today than we did before. But any, anyway, we, we took that little trip out there. And uh, we had, every day we had a time when, okay, we're going to play our songs when we were in the car. You know, and there's kind of weird. Right now on my playlist, I have a song. I think it's Jeremy Camp called Keep Me in the Moment. Lord, I don't want to miss what you have for me. And that was one of my songs. Lord, keep me in the moment. I don't want to miss what you have for me. And then she said, well, I like this song. And I, I can't remember the artist, but it's called I Don't Want to Miss It. And if somebody sings about climbing up in a sycamore tree because they don't want to miss Jesus, you know, from the story of Zacchaeus, and, I, and she sings that. So we had those songs every morning just talking about, that's the message today. I don't want you to go through life, eh, Christian, Christian life, whatever, and miss the riches. And that's one of the things that Paul writes them. You see, uh, Ephesians has also been called a survival manual for what they had to do, what they had to deal with as far as life's concerned. And he says, you got to have this. you got to get this. Okay, the most important thing he starts off with is, I want you to understand just how rich you are in Jesus Christ. And we'll see this as we begin to read. Okay, you ready? Ephesians chapter 1. Here we go. Paul, an apostle of, of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, look at this next phrase. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I'm sorry, I just get excited when I read that. He has poured through Jesus Christ, into our life, spiritual blessing. I don't want you to miss this, and what we'll talk about some of those specifically here. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself. We sang about adoption today, and I thought, sweet! Yeah, we're adopted us! And, and uh, to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. I'm going to go ahead and continue all the way to 14 as we start here. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved, capital B, that's Jesus Christ, he has blessed us in Christ. In him we have redemption 
Now, there's, a, there's a sermon right there. It's not today's sermon, but it's an awesome sermon, just studying about what redemption means and that we can call ourselves redeemed because of Jesus Christ. In Him we have redemption. Does anybody know where I am? Oh, there we are. Uh, through His blood, okay, only through Christ's blood, that's the only way we can be redeemed. The forgiveness of our trespasses, so we can stand and say, I am redeemed. I am truly forgiven. That's awesome. Uh, which, uh, according to the riches of His grace that only came through grace, we sang about that in our last song too. Sorry, I was getting pumped during the singing. Uh, which He lavished upon us. I love that word too. He lavished upon us. It's like slathered us with His goodness and His grace. That's, a, that's awesome. I lost my place again. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him. He's going to bring this all together. Things in heaven and things under the earth. In Him we have attained an inheritance. Sweet. Having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. And just a little bit more as we finish up in 14. Uh, so that we were to uh, the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Now, I want to go back through those first 14 verses and look at some of the things promised in there. Okay, we talked about the redemption. We talked about forgiveness. I want to, I want to show you a couple more things in there or a few more things. Before we do, I want to back up to, um, to a word that was in there and just talk about this briefly. And I actually want to show you a few verses from Deuteronomy that are, I remembered uh, from the series when we went through that. But this word right here, the Bible talks about that we are chosen. Now, if you are new to church world, this probably isn't going to mean a ton to you, but if you've been around a long time, you might know that this word, when you start talking about predestination and chosen, uh, truth is, when I was in high school, my church had a major fight, and I mean a fight over this, and they split in, in trying to understand this idea. Okay, well, God has chosen us before the foundation of the world. Don't we choose to accept Christ? You know, how does that work? What is the balance, basically, between the fact that our God is sovereign and yet he has given man a will? And trying to figure out that balance has become a tough thing sometimes. So I wanted to just allude to that for a couple of seconds today. I remember this verse in Deuteronomy where he's talking to the children of Israel and he tells them the secret things belong to the Lord our God. There are some things you're not going to understand, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the works of, words of the law. And I just wanted to remind you that sometimes we get too caught up in what we're not quite sure about and we get too dogmatic about things like that and we forget the bottom line is we're supposed to be obedient to him okay and follow him and serve him now i want to show you a couple other verses from deuteronomy that i remembered about this idea of god's choosing it is not because you were more in number he tells israel other people uh said the lord uh, it's not because there was more of you that god set his love upon you and chose you <laughs> you were the fewest of all peoples in other words what I want us to grasp here as we talk about this chosenness that God chose us is that it's not because of us. He said to Israel, it's not because you were the best. It's not because you were the biggest. You were the smallest. In fact, he says this in chapter 9, Know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. You were a stubborn people. You were as hard-headed as could be. It wasn't because you earned it. 
And one of the main things that I want us to start off grasping with this concept is that God chose us. Um, what's his name? Uh, Charles Spurgeon uh, is famous for saying, I am very thankful that God chose me before I was born, because once I was born, I was a mess. Uh, but it, it, if we can get a hold of this idea that this is God's work, okay, that God has chosen to love us. You say, well, what does that mean you know, to, to everybody? And I'm not really exploring all of that today, partly because I'm not sure I can completely communicate it to you well uh, as far as that goes, or even understand it myself sometimes. But what I do understand is that the Bible clearly tells us that He chose us, that He chose to love us, okay? that He chose to call us, that He chose to redeem us, that this is His choice. Now, when I understand this, there's a few things that, again, come out from our passage that I want to highlight that we have in Christ. And one of them is, I have assurance. Here's why I say that. Um, Adam was talking about, you know, just remembering, you know, you know when he messes up or whatever, everything like that, you know, the forgiveness of God. Man, when I think back to how many times in my life I've thought to myself, I don't deserve God's forgiveness, I'm such a mess. You say, Pastor, are you talking about... Um, you know, a long time in your past. Actually, I'm talking about Thursday. Uh, I was in here on Thursday, and I was doing a little, little work up here on the platform, and Stephanie, our, our assist I shouldn't call her assistant, executive, whatever she is. <laughs> she kind of runs the place. But anyway, uh, Stephanie was back there in the sound booth working on getting things set up for Sunday morning, and I was up here, and I was talking to her, but I wasn't looking towards the back. And in the middle of the conversation, we were talking about somebody. I promise you it was none of you or anybody that you know. Actually, you wouldn't know him because he's a famous uh, figure. But, uh, but I, got, I said something that was just flat-out nasty. I got, I mean, there's no other way to describe it. I just, I just spit it out. You know, that guy, I mean, it was just mean. Uh, there's not a one of you that would say, oh, I understand that. No, it was mean. It was nasty. Right after I said it, I heard the voice of the guy who had been working on the copy machine who walked in to tell her something. So here's the pastor up here. <laughs> no, I won't tell you what I said about it because, because whatever little respect you have for me, you might lose right there. Uh, but, you know, and I just thought, oh, great. Uh, you know, that, that guy heard me say, and I thought again, what a, sometimes what a sad mess I am. And it is oftentimes easy for me to think to myself, you know, hey, am, am I even saved? Am I, have I even, am I, you know, really? Is that forgiveness even there? Because I find myself messing up again. But w the reason why I have the assurance is this. God chose, this, this is God's work. My forgiveness, my redemption is a work that he did. And the Bible says he is faithful to complete what he started. Uh, and, uh, and God didn't uh, say, okay, this is, I'm going to save you, I'm going to forgive you until you mess up. God says that he will finish what he started. I read this quote this week. Somebody said that, you know, God has more invested in my salvation than I do. If you think about that for a little bit, that is really true. So the reason I hold on to insurance is this is something that he did. Okay? If it, was, if it was based on me, you know, I have to whatever. I have to be good enough, believe enough, give enough, uh, anything like that. But this is his work. Salvation is his work. And therefore, I operate with the assurance. With that assurance, then, is going to come this word, hope. And this occurs a couple times in chapter 1, so we're going to mention it a couple different times. Uh, specifically here, I believe, in verses number 11 and 12, it talks about having a hope in his working to the praise of his glory. So I live life, first of all, knowing that the work of salvation is complete in Jesus Christ, 
assurance. It's not about me. I have assurance. Secondly, I live with a hope that He is working together all things. All things. Uh, God does not waste any event that happens in my life. Now, there are plenty of things I don't understand. There's plenty of things I cannot see what He's doing, but I live with this hope knowing that God is accomplishing things to His glory. That's who He is. That's what He's doing. And that does change the way I look at life. You know, you, know, you hear the little, it seems like cliche, well, everything happens for a purpose. It's more than a cliche. God does not waste any events in my life. I don't have to understand anything, everything to obey Him and trust Him. I believe that this is what He's doing. Again, that, that was highlighted in verses 11 and 12 there in chapter 1. That He is working for the praise of His glory. He's working everything. Nothing is wasted. There's a third thing that I'm going to have as a result of that. And, and uh, that is a boldness or a desire... A gr- that might not be the word, a confidence as I share about Jesus Christ. Can we just talk for a second here? I think the idea of sharing Jesus Christ with people, sharing the gospel, uh, whatever term you want to use, witnessing, sharing Christ, is diminishing in our lives. Okay, It is not a passion a lot of times that we should have. Knowing that I, that he has chosen some to salvation, to me, encourages me or it emboldens me. Because sometimes I look and I say, no, nobody's going to listen. Nobody's going to believe. That whole crowd at work, nobody's going to believe. My family, I'm going to give up on them because I've tried and nobody's going to believe. But understanding that, it, uh, that God has chosen some before the foundation of the world to bring to salvation gives me that boldness to continue to speak. Okay, I've got to go on here. Uh, let's go to... Uh, the, the rest of the chapter here, first of all, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and have and of your love towards all the saints, Paul's going to talk about how he prays for them. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul says, and, and see, hopefully you follow, that's what, that's what I'm trying to do today. I'm trying to uh, be like Paul's praying and he's saying, hey, I want you to understand what we have in Christ. I, w- I, want, you to, I want your eyes to be open. Listen, look at that next phrase. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Okay? That's my prayer that that's what happens here this morning is the Holy Spirit turns the light on and says, hey, look what we have in Jesus Christ. And I leave here saying, yes, indeed, I have assurance because it's His work. I have boldness because I know He's working to save people. I know these things. And I have a hope that goes so far beyond this life. It's unbelievable. I know that He's working to good. I want us to have our eyes open to understand this, that we may know that this hope, second time we've seen this word, to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glory inheritance in the saints, and what is amazing Measurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. I believe we sang about resurrection power today. We're going to dwell on that in a minute here. And seated him at the right hand in heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness. Okay, I want to show you four other things in this passage I just read. So we're going from 13 on. I'm sorry, 15 on, I believe. These are some things he wants you to see. One of them, very simply, is this. 
Let's go back to this word hope for a second. Second time hope is used here, it's talking more about that hope of eternal life that we have. Got a text last night, a good friend of mine, uh, a buddy of mine, actually his name is Buddy, uh, but found out that, uh, well, he, he's known for some time that he has cancer and the doctor didn't give very long to live. Got a text last night that said they're beginning to pray that the Lord would take him soon. You know, that, that's where things have gotten to. And I just thought, man, I'm so thankful that there's hope beyond this life. I, I'm, I'm just so thankful. And I've uh, actually the Tuesday before Remember when I saw you at the gas station, I said I'd visit a friend like that. The Tuesday before that, I got to have lunch with him and his wife. I never left a visit so encouraged just at where he was and the, the whole way death uh, was being approached as far as that goes. Because death has no hold on us. Remember, we're held in grace. Didn't we just sing that? And you know that, that, and that's, that's the attitude very much that he has. And I thought to myself last night, man, I am so thankful that there is life beyond this life. I'm so thankful that there's hope beyond this life. Just rejoicing in that. A second thing that I saw in this passage is I think it talks about our worth. And I chose that word because that's such a big deal today. Hey, self-worth and, and self-image and everything like that. And I, I, I just... I think so many times we approach that and we f- try to find that in things that were never intended to, to give us a sense of worth. But if we understand His incredible love then we get that. Okay, if we understand, again, that he has chosen us, uh, if, we, if we understand that as far as the uh, Psalm 103, 11 says, as far as the heavens above the earth, so great is his love. If we, if we get a hold of that for a little bit, if we understand the riches of his, here's, here's a phrase that's interesting in there. Uh, let, me, let me go back so I don't get it wrong. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Okay, that, that's in the text we just read. He talked about the riches of his glorious inheritance, his inheritance in the saints. You know, you read that, and that's, that's one of those cool Bible phrases. Oh, that sounds good, amen. The riches of his glorious inheritance. What, what in the world does that mean? The riches of his glorious inheritance, his inheritance in the saints, that we are his inheritance. That's awesome, okay? That's awesome. If that doesn't give us a sense of worth, you want to know what you can give the God who has everything uh, and what he has and, and to, call, to call people to himself, to call us to himself. And this is such a big deal to him. You know, sometimes I think modern Christianity becomes too self-focused and it's all about me and the fact that God loves me. But don't miss this, that God does love you and has chosen you and there is this incredible love and that is really the source of our worth. It is also our reason to praise and exalt him but it is that's where our worth comes from the god of the universe sent his son to die on the cross for me that's why i'm i'm worth something and i want to celebrate that i want to rejoice in that i want to understand i want to see that because i am in christ the third thing talks about his power and it's very interesting in our text, just like in our song, it talked about resurrection power. You know, my first thought would be if I was going to talk about the power of God, I'd talk about the power of God in creation. Uh, now, in fact, I was reading this week that uh, every one of the stars that God created, every second releases more energy than the United States chooses in a year. Every one of those stars, and God spoke that into existence. thought, now that's some serious power <laughs> right there. But God doesn't choose that. He talks about the resurrection. That's where he talks about the power. And somebody suggested this. It is a bigger deal to bring life from death than to bring life from nothing. 
Creation brought life from nothing. Resurrection brings life from death. Somebody said it like this, it's easier to give birth than to raise the dead. Uh, again, we won't get into that argument. <laughs> uh, Josh's wife may dis- differ- disagree with us right now. Uh, but the, the truth is, we have that, he focuses on and he says, hey, this incredible power. Okay, bringing the dead back to life. Bringing the one who is dead and trapped in the sin, trapped in addiction, bringing them back to life. This is the power that we have in life. Can we get a hold of this? Can we grab this? Resurrection power. Adam, what's that song? Is that resurrection power running through my veins? Or No. Is that, is that, I, I just made that up, didn't I? Uh, but it is that idea. I'm living in that power of the resurrection. Okay? If we can grab that, if we can get a hold of that. Hey, this is what we have in Christ because of him. A fourth thing that I saw in there, we have hope, we have our worth, we have our power, and we have his rule as a promise. The last couple of verses talk about him reigning forever. And here's, if you can just kind of capture hold of this, we know who's sitting on the, on the throne at the end of this game. Okay, if you can grab a hold of that, I know who's sitting on the throne at the end of this game. I mentioned a few weeks ago that my wife and I got into binge watching 24 for a while. When you know Jack Bauer saving the world, and uh, some of you that may may have seen that or you've seen something else like this, there were different episodes where it ended and Jack was dead. <laughs> I mean, it was it's kind of weird, but he was. It was like he just died, uh, whatever like that. In fact, if I remember right, one season ended with him dead. And you thought, well, that's weird. Is the season over? But then we pulled out the next DVD case, and there's his picture on the cover of the next season. And when I saw his picture there, I thought, I guess Jack didn't die. Uh, I, guess, I guess something's going on, or somehow they're going to zap him, or something's going to happen. It's still alive. But because we saw his, his picture there, I want you to picture that when all this ends, I want you to realize this. I want you to read those last couple verses in chapter 1 and realize his rule he rules forever. Everything in submission to him. Okay? Now, if you would with me, and I won't take a lot of time to, to uh, you know, dig into that. I mean, I hope today you think about the idea that God walked into the orphanage of sin and said, I'm picking that one right there. I'm picking to save that one right there. And, and has chosen you to be, to, to be his child through faith in Jesus Christ. And then I want you to see that in him, listen, the Apostle Paul was talking to some people that had a hard row ahead of them. In fact, I mentioned that fourth letter that goes to them. Some of you might remember this. When the, when the letter that Jesus wrote to the church at Ephesus, he said, I have something against you. Jesus said, you have left what? First love. Some of you remember that. So you aren't doing all that well. And they were going to face all type of opposition down the road. So Paul said to start off with, you know, more than telling you don't do this and don't do that, I want to tell you that because of Jesus Christ, when we are in Him, and the Bible says we are in Him when we trust in Him for forgiveness of our sin, and when we are in Him and He in us, here's some things that we have. And I, I hope, you know, maybe even it'd be worthwhile taking a moment later on and reading through Exodus chapter 1 uh, with this in light again. And, and uh, you know, even if you daydream a little bit, get to that end and realize that in the end he's sitting on the throne. And maybe, you know, just look and say, he talks about this resurrection power, a power that's, you know, unmatched and it is alive in me. So when I look at my life right now and I feel like, hey, I'm still, you know, serving this sin or doing this over here, that Power is available in my life through Jesus Christ. Man, if that doesn't 
get us a little pumped somewhere, I think maybe we need a little check on our pulse. I don't know. Get kind of, kind of confused about that. I, um, I'm coming up short. I, I've told you before I'm a lousy salesman. I, I really am. I mean, I, I am just a terrible salesman. And I am trying to talk to you about a great life. <laughs> as, uh, as we're singing different things, I kept thought, oh, yeah, that's incredible. We're singing about his amazing grace. You know, this is, this is amazing, this amazing grace and the resurrection power. And, um, you know, just re- singing about our freedom and every, every, everything like that. And I thought, man, do we really get that? Because, again, if I could just be honest for, for a second, I think for many of us, our Christianity is just ho-hum. It really is. And, and I, I included myself in that because I fall into that same rut where I'm just going through the motions. And I think Paul wants us to know no, would you look at what, by the way, Paul is not a flowery guy. Paul is a just the facts type of guy. But when we read later on in chapter 3 of Ephesians, he goes talk about the love of God and he says, I can't even comprehend it. He says it's bigger than, wider than anything you can imagine and it's deeper than anything you can imagine. I can't even explain and I can't wrap my head around how good God's love is. That's Paul. And Paul is like, yeah, well, here we are. Here's the facts. Here's how we ought to behave. You know, that type of thing. He's, he's not a real emotional type guy. You don't see that in his writing. But when he starts talking about the love of God and looking at the input, he's like, yes, this is incredible. And I hope, you know, you don't have to stand up and cheer. You don't have to raise your hands when you sing. You don't have to dance. But I hope you go out of here and, and think for a little minute. And, and that is my prayer. And I'm going to pray that in a second here again. I'm just going to pray, God, open our eyes. <laughs> Not just for a few seconds now, Lord. Open our eyes tomorrow. Help us to realize what we have in you. Help us to realize the work accomplished on the cross of Jesus Christ. Uh, when he died, he laid down his life for me. Help us to realize that. I'm going to pray that. I'm also just going to pray if that phrase in Christ is a mystery to you, you don't really understand what that means, and maybe you think, I don't know if I'm in Christ or not. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would help you to see, understand what that means too. That what that means is my faith is not in myself, not in my good works, not in any church, not in anything uh, that man can do. My faith is in Jesus Christ. God gave his son because that was the only way sinful man could know redemption. And I'll pray that God draw you into putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. After I pray those two things, um, uh, Jen and Adam and and Kevin are going to come back up and we're going to sing Amazing Grace again. Okay, and I I thought that last song was was good, that new song. I was listening to those words thinking, Shazam. <laughs> that's good stuff. Uh, but uh, I don't know why Shazam, but uh, that's, that's what came, came to my mind. But, uh, but I thought, hey, we'll go ahead and close with uh, Amazing Grace again. This is Amazing Grace. Just because I hope you go out celebrating. Okay? But again, I hope it lasts beyond the parking lot. I'll pray that as we go forward, we understand just how incredibly rich I am. I did the midweek, I'm sorry, I got, I got to quit random. Come on up, guys, and then I'll pray. Uh, I did the midweek messages this week, and, and just, this is something God has really just brought home to me, is just how incredibly rich I am. I mean, I really, 
I mean, I, I look at my life here on this earth, and I say, God, you've just poured so many blessings in me. And then I think, and that's just the start. There's eternity with him. How could I get any richer? I hope you'll leave with that same realization. And Father, I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Lord, because I know I ramble when I feel like uh, I want to say more. Or... No, Lord, I know when I ramble. I ramble when I want to do your work. You're the only one that can teach us this. You're the only one that can really open our eyes to this truth. And I want to do it. So, Lord, I, I shut my mouth now and just say, Father in heaven, open our eyes to these truths in Ephesians chapter 1. And, Lord, may we leave celebrating you and celebrating how incredible your grace is. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.